Curve, episode 71. <laughs> well, hello again, everybody. This is Life's Learning Curve, the podcast. I'm documentary producer, educator, and tech guy, Paul Hart. What is Life's Learning Curve? Well, we use stories, life stories, retelling true stories to underscore just how we got to the current version of us. And we're constantly learning. We're constantly striving to improve ourselves, right? Right. Be a better us. On today's episode, were you ever drawn to the lure of the Wild West? Being a cowboy, mending fences, driving cattle, using the old persuader, probably a Colt 45. That's a big old gun, I guess. To keep the bad guys at bay. For you, maybe it wasn't that, but rather it was maybe living on a tropical island or exploring the deep seas or outer space. You know, the new frontiers. After all, if you expand and dream a bit about becoming the best you, or let's just say an improved version of you, you might become your own reality if you keep doing that. (laughs) You're in for a real treat today as we retell a story about my uncle, my uncle Russ. I'm Paul Hart. Tell me a story. Let's get going. Sebastian. Here we go. Life's Learning Curve. I'm Paul Hart. Episode Cigarette Cowboy. Stand by. Just what was the romance of the West? Think about it. Those that were kids in the, this is way before me, in the 1930s, the 1940s, the 1950s, it's quite a while ago, they were drawn to that frontier, the lure of the Wild West, where unknown things could happen, where we had beautiful sunsets, uh, some adventure, uh, meeting very few people, but making the most out of the people that you were friends with. Being a cowboy mending fences, driving cattle, using, like I said before, the old persuader, the Colt 45, to keep the bad guys at bay. Wild Western comics of that period in the 1930s, 40s, 50s were set in the mid to late 1800s when America's West was still a frontier to be explored. So this was like a nostalgic look backward at a younger Western America. These comic book scripts were dramatic and featured cowboys and gunfighters and uh, lawmen, bounty hunters, outlaws, and Native Americans. Now, accompanying artwork within these comic books showed this rural form of America filled with such iconic figures as, you know, you see things like lots of guns, lots of cowboy hats, vests, (laughs) horses, uh, saloons ranches and deserts and that type of thing beautiful sunsets and open prairies you know so if you were a kid from the city or even rural america at that time the wild west made your community feel crowded even if it wasn't very crowded even if it was just a small town and a bit too settled but if you wanted adventure there was plenty to be had back then in the 1800s on that new frontier Now, again, as I said, this is way, way before my time, but I had an uncle, my mom's oldest brother, Uncle Russ, who, as a boy growing up in the 1930s America, well, 
he bought into all the Wild West and all that it had to offer. In real life, as a grown-up, my Uncle Russ was a quite successful artist and an advertising man, but he still pined for the days of his youth and his comic book heroes. As a matter of fact, for most of his life, when somebody asked him, you know, what did you want to be when you were a kid? My Uncle Russ would smile slightly, look down, look up, and say, Easy. A cowboy. Still do. The comic books he read as a boy would weave tales of heroes such as, these were names that were big back then, Kit Carson, Davy Crockett, somebody called the Kansas Kid. Also, my grandparents in real life, who's my Uncle Russ's parents, had this mounted print in their front living room of a painting by Carl, I think I'm going to say his name right, Rungius? Rungus, Rungius painting, and it was called Two Cowboys in the Saddle. And what it pictured was, what you're seeing on the screen if you're watching this uh, uh, on YouTube, it showed two John Wayne-like characters sitting really high on their horses, surveying the western expanses. A romantic painting dating from just after World War I. Uncle Russ must have gazed at that painting every day in his house as he ate dinner or breakfast or whatever, but it was right there. All right, so my Uncle Russ grew up in the Midwest with a schoolmate. He had many friends, but he had one named Norris, made-up name for the podcast, whose family had, well, considerable money. Not many people did, and this is around the Great Depression time, but they always had money. Besides a large home and a nice piece of property just on the outskirts of town, Norris's family also owned a large working ranch in a beautiful open-range area, mountainous area too, of Texas. These were acres of land filled with herds of cows and bulls and wild horses, tame horses too in a pen. True modern day cowboys worked that expansive multi-acred ranch and it, it was big. I don't know how many acres it was but we're getting past a hundred here. Through their years as boys, through their years as teens, my uncle Russ and his pal Norris often talked air quote cowboy. Norris often retold these great stories, these, these stories of life on the ranch, because he'd go down to the ranch every summer, and he'd, you know, work the ranch or learn to work the ranch. He loved his summers in Texas, riding, having adventures, herding cows, keeping the fences intact, chasing away outlaws that broke the perimeter fences to steal cattle. It happened. And he would say, well, a few rifle shots usually kept rustlers out of distance. My uncle listened, and he digested Norris's stories, and he dreamed, and he often sketched. He was an artist. He often sketched, or he began to paint something, Western type of images, the, the type he, the, the way he felt it looked, you know, just from these stories. Images of freedom, open space, and that unexplainable loneliness, that male loneliness. That kind of loneliness is kind of unexplainable, but it's kind of necessary, because that kind of loneliness brings what I call focused thought. When you're by yourself and thinking and you don't have the distractions, you have time to think about things, about courage. Well, in the future, what kind of man do I want to be? How do I want to behave comparatively to other people I've seen? So, this type of male loneliness, as I call it, 
focuses your thoughts. Thoughts about courage and inspiration for the future and doing the right thing for the right reasons. So even in the 1940s, parts of the American Western frontier seemed to still be intact and very much in operation on young Norris's family's ranch in the Texas heat. Now, as World War II came about, my Uncle Russ enlisted and he lost touch with his friend Norris for a while. He was in the South Pacific, that theater of war. For many years, my uncle dreamed of, you know, coming home and what home was like. And when you're gone, you do tend to romanticize. And if you're a creative artist, you picture things maybe in a different way. Not a bad way, but in a very beautiful kind of way of people that my Uncle Russ loved. He missed these people. He missed the places. He missed the frontiers yet to be conquered. Now, by the war's end, the soldiers fortunate enough to return home did so with pride and optimism. They came home to important people, all those people, the important places, and most importantly, to the important freedom that we still had. Now, advertisers jumped on this concept of freedom, uh, expanding the country, uh, people, places, unexplored frontiers as well. Advertising such products and uh, destinations and things and items for the forward-thinking post-war Americans, they did this right away, and, and they touted advertising campaigns such as... See the USA in your Chevrolet. On a jaunt or on a journey, American Express Traveler's Checks. Follow the sun to sun country, American Airlines. Hey, here's your pal Hopalong Cassidy with his brand new cowboy boots. And my favorite. Lee Cowboy Pants, now with a V-shaped saddle crotch. I was once in a band called Saddle Crotch. Well, we're actually here in the Mesilla Valley. It's one of the places we're talking about on this week's podcast. We've actually opened the podcast from this exact point two other times. Once when we came out to take a look at drifter, sports drifter, automobile drifter Tristan Malakowski and another time when we featured a couple of guys that were had mini bikes and took them through the desert that was about a year ago but this time we're here at the base of the Oregon mountains the Oregon mountains and they're over here they're a little overshadowed by clouds today so we're taking a position where we can see the sun and it is beautiful here I always say the same thing when I come here is my one of my favorite things is listen what do you hear nothing it's tremendous it's so nice to be away from cars and crowds and horns now once a year these days my girlfriend Charlie and I travel to New Mexico's Mesilla Valley area it's around Las Cruces El Paso that area it's about a mile or so from the Rio Grande River Mesilla is this little town. I, I, I always think it hasn't really been found yet by the masses. But around 1880, around Messiah, it's where cattle thief and murderer William H. Bonnie, or Billy the Kid, was housed, tried, and sentenced. 
indefinitely to hang in the town square. But that never happened. As the story goes, Billy escaped. There's a plaque there that states the Overland Butterfield Stagecoach line had a station stop right there as well. And they didn't stop everywhere, but this was an important stop for that stagecoach line. And this made this town, this dry, dusty... The town basically back then was just brown and gray from all the dust being kicked up. This New Mexico town, it became significant because of the stop there. When I visit there, it's so easy. I sit in the town square. And as I sit there, if I close my eyes, the grassy and well-manicured small square transforms back into that dirt and dust-filled stagecoach stop once again. And I can picture the stagecoach stop. I can see where the gallows were built to hang criminals and outlaws and for their unforgivable acts, whatever they did. You can begin to feel it. Like a ghost from the past, I guess. A haunting. Standing in Messia, sitting in Messia. I often visualize the back cover of a record album. It's the Eagles album titled Desperado. Not the front side, but the back side. This photo displays five outlaws laying dead in the street with their heads kind of propped up on the stoops of the store as lawmen that shot them pose just behind their recently deceased. Now, in real life, this was band members, producers, and friends, and co-writers, and things like that. But they got to dress up and kind of play cowboy for this uh, album cover, or back cover at least, front cover too. For me, overall, sitting in Messiah Town Square, you feel it. What once happened, it's lonely. You can feel that it was once really dangerous. It's inspiring. It's freedom, it's independence, and well, uniquely American. Western, cowboy, comic books, Wild West, or whatever, and short films. Short films that would appear in theaters right before the main film. This would be a short, you know, it might just be a few minutes. Were popular in the 1930s and 40s. It was a cheap form of entertainment. Comic books during this time were a part of the culture. So these short films were made for kids, for the most part, at Saturday uh, movie theater matinees. That featured Hollywood cowboy heroes. In other words, they weren't, they were actors. But they became legends. People like Gabby Hayes, a guy named Alan Lane, Lash LaRue, Tom Mix, Tex Ritter, who was John Ritter's father. And some crossed over these short films, and they were in both short films and comics, both. A company called Dial published comics starring Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, Red Allen, Wild Bill Elliott, just some of these names of the past, in these weekly short films called serials. It may take the hero nine weeks of these serials ongoing. Each week he'd have something that happened and the hero would be caught tied up to the train tracks or something and you come back the next week to the next movie and you see what happened and they go through the next adventure. Anyway, sometimes they laid out for nine, ten weeks of these short serials. These short films, uh, uh, it may take nine or ten weeks, I guess, to for the hero to, to succeed. But in the end, the main character, the hero, the good guy, always got the girl and ultimately caught the bad guy in some manner. Now, these comic books always did something for the country. They brought hope because at the time, millions of people were suffering. They were in poverty conditions. There was this deficiency happening. Lots of loss. 
These comic books and these short films were popular all the way from the Great Depression and probably pr prior to that too, all the way up through that time in America where things were extremely rough through World War II in the mid ending in the mid 1940s. And it was, you know, it was a tough time, so people needed this escape. They had these short films where there was a hero and the hero would win, and, and there were comic books, and they were interesting. Kind of helped America through things. It also helped Malcolm Russ. Now, as for the aforementioned band I talked about, the band called the Eagles, they celebrated the Wild West in their 1973 album, a record album and the cover uh, pictured the four band members as I said they were dressed as 1860s outlaws just kind of staying in there looking like they're looking for trouble in town and it was a gritty looking picture uh, had a lot of sepia in it and a grainy uh, a grainy film even though it's a still and you know you see you just get the idea that the town's eh, it's a little dusty it's a little dirty there could be some gunplay happening at any minute it was the magic of the wild west the fictional wild west the songs on this album were inspired by a longtime friend and collaborator, a guy named Jackson Brown, who was not in the Eagles, but he was on the perimeter of the Eagles, a songwriter and performer himself. Now, Jackson Brown had shared a book he was reading about the Old West Outlaws, one particularly known as the Doolin Dalton Gang. It did inspire what would become an album called Desperado as its title track. But it was Glenn Fry, the guitarist I was referring to, who directed the rest of the band members to write songs about the individual gang members of the Doolin Dalton gang for a concept album, which they didn't have a lot of back then. There were a few, but not too many, of an Old West outlaw gang. And then they wanted to tie these songs into the Eagles themselves. It was their idea of, of trying to, uh, on purpose, identify their image as outlaws or whatever themselves. Kind of a stretch because they're musicians, but... They might have been musical outlaws, I don't know. <laughs> now, as I said, copyright um, keeps me from playing their music here. But please check out the 1973 Eagles album called Desperado. Finally, what did we learn here? What did I learn? What did my Uncle Russ learn, I guess? Well... My Uncle Russ was not the only person to romanticize about the Wild West. Remember Norris, his school buddy? All right. Well, during the war, his family's sprawling ranch down in Texas was kind of found, and it was contracted by a large cigarette company. And for the next 50 years or so, Norris became an advertising cowboy. He was that lone cowboy on the range, huckstering that cigarette brand. So he was doing all the things that he would do on that ranch, but he's, he would have that cigarette. Now as Norris sat atop his trusty horse, cigarette in mouth, in the background we saw, whether it was a commercial, a filmed commercial, or whether it was a still for a magazine, we saw not only Norris and his horse and the cigarette, but in the background some wild stallions, some plains, some hills, the depth, and finally the beautiful mountains. The contrast, the western frontier, images of freedom, open space, and that unexplainable of male loneliness that focuses on thought, it focuses on creating courage and 
inspiration for the future and doing the right thing for the right reasons. Oh, and uh, it focused on a cigarette brand as well. <laughs> for Life's Learning Curve, I'm Paul Hart. Subscribe to Life's Learning Curve at lifeslearningcurve.org and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. Season 4, Episode 71, Cigarette Cowboy, of Life's Learning Curve podcast was put together by producers Sebastian T. Dog and Paul Hart, audio and sound by Riley Hart. Find us on Facebook and listen to us just about everywhere podcasts are heard. Visit our website, lifeslearningcurve.org, and subscribe, read one of our blogs, or just shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. This episode has imaginative voice recreations. To protect the privacy of others, some names have been changed and characters conflated. Episode 71, Cigarette Cowboy. I'm Paul Hart, and we will be back soon with more from Life's Learning Curve.